Hello, guys, and welcome back to another installment of Galley Stories, Stories of Bering Sea and Beyond. I am your host, Mark Kaler. And today we have Captain Cameron Hagen. He captains the vessel Catchamac Provider. Uh, currently, I think, t was tendering up in the Bristol Bay. But, uh, Cameron, how are you doing today? Doing great. All right, let's talk about it. You've listened to a few episodes. Uh, where were you born and what brought you into the, the water? I was born in Big Bear, California, and raised pretty much my whole life in Homer, Alaska. <clears throat> I think uh, I had early ambitions as a kid to go out in the water and go commercial fishing, but my dad never, dad never let it take. Uh, I had opportunities to go out to Bristol Bay, and my dad just didn't feel right about the opportunities that were thrown my way. So I waited and waited and finally my younger brother got a job for a gent called beaver nelson and beaver nelson had a couple other guys who moved on to other jobs and so my brother somehow got me the job and was beaver I, nelson the guy or the boat beaver nelson was the man the boat was the nuka point at the time still is a nuka point and I was down in Montana going to school. My brother said, hey, there's a job if you want it. And I I hopped on it immediately. I've, of course, since high school, I've been wanting to get on on the water and was waiting for the next opportunity. So, but raised in Homer and not getting out on the water? I mean, raised in Homer, <clears throat> never got out. I got out on the water once as a kid and we got beached with the tides and and uh, we got stuck across the bay for a, a day. You know, 12 hours, a whole tide cycle, but never knew how to tie a knot, never knew, never knew what a bowling was, <clears throat> never knew what a, a saner was, never knew what a saner looked like, never knew what a sane skiff was, never knew what a longliner was, didn't know a, a thing. I grew up, my dad was a logger, and uh, when we first got to Alaska, and, and uh, we, we made our way um, just by check by check, and, and I never felt poor growing up, but um, I look back now and realize how poor we were. You know, my dad did whatever he could just to put a roof over our head and and clothes on our back. But we always felt rich as rich as kings. You say he was steering you away from the water. Was he trying to get you to be a logger? Or no, he wasn't trying to get me to be a logger. What he was trying to education. What what he wanted to do was is he knew life on the water. He knew fishermen and he knew life on the water was a a really unique way to make money. But if he knew if, if his boys were going to get into it. He wanted it to be with the right captain who was going to flourish our careers rather than wreck the whole experience for us. Mm -hmm. And and when he heard that we were getting on with Bieber Nelson, he was absolutely thrilled, you know. And so uh, that was our first opportunity. I think my brother might have had one other opportunity before that. Um, but but really, Beaver was our first real kickoff into the fishing industry. Um, but that was Bristol Bay? That was that was not. That was Prince William Sound. Saning and and 3A halibut longlining actually. Okay. We, my first fishing experience ever was longlining in 3A. How old were you? I was 19, 19 years old, and I loved every minute of it. I grew up in sports, and so um, in wrestling and and longlining halibut was like wrestling fish all day long. It was you know you know and it was it was fun work and it was exciting and it was nothing like i had ever experienced it's exciting to see what you're pulling up too when you're longlining especially 
Oh my goodness. Because you don't know what's what's coming. Especially when I first got out there. I remember the first time I saw these big halibut coming up on the line. They looked like dinosaurs coming up through the water and I had to gaff them, you know, and I, I was I mean my adrenaline was going a million miles an hour. And and uh and I just I actually I if I remember correctly, I think I froze up. I saw this fish coming up and they're like, Gaff that you know and, <laughs> and, and that I, motherfucker. Yeah, and I, I looked at it and like, oh oh, you know, and I hesitated. I think I got it still, but but you know, once that once the nose of that halibut hits the water or hits the air, you either get it yeah, or it's gone. Exactly. I think I got it. I got it. We'll just, you know Go with the story. Yeah, go with the story. I got it. But uh but from then on it was I just never wanted to stop. It was the beauty i i got done with that trip and i got done with that first seining season and i thought people get paid to do this because growing up with my dad he was a logger so we got we got paid like 25 cents a tree to go and cut it down chop it up and and turn it into like split cords you know and and so we grew up manual labor hard work digging holes i'm gonna I'm say you got 25 cents a tree your dad got more than that dad got more than that yeah dad, that was daddy just, did well yeah yeah he made some money <laughs> off his five boys yeah and so and and you know we grew up hard you know we we uh my dad he he's a hard worker he taught us a lot of work ethic we'd come home from school and we wouldn't do our homework we'd come home and and we would we would help dig the foundation for our house because it was rotten out and so we'd come home and get our work clothes on and start digging and and we uh we um <clears throat> we also I remember also we moved into this house. We finally bought a house and we moved into this house and it didn't have windows for years. We we slept in this house with with plastic over the windows here in Homer, Alaska, and the winters were frigid. And uh and it was five of us boys and we had one room and we all had different spots in our room that we lived in. Bush people. Yeah. <laughs> lived in different <laughs> spots. And by the time we woke up for school that next morning, we were we were all in the same bed with our blankets frozen against the walls, you know, and it, that kind of life builds character, you know. And so <laughs> I think I think we weren't the brightest fishermen when we started out with Beaver, but I think he saw that we might have had a, a little potential in the work ethic. You know, be, before you move too far on, uh, you're talking about being pulling these uh, halibut up and they're mm-hmm. looking huge because they're wide fish. Yeah. Thin, but wide fish. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the biggest one you've seen come on deck? I always ask Beaver and and the guys I work with what their biggest fish they ever saw was. No, your yeah. Biggest well, fish. well, the biggest fish that I ever saw, and it took three of us to pull it up. I think it was right around three hundred pounds. And so, That'd probably be almost seven foot long. Yeah, it was it was a big fish, big yeah. fish. And I I for some reason thought I could pull the whole fish up by myself, and then I got the nose above the water, and and the guys on deck were like, wait 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 for some help, you know, and we all got a gaff in it, and we pulled it up. And and it, I think it landed on me too, and and it was it's amazing. I mean, they, it literally looked like a, like we were pulling this whale out of the ocean. So they call a hundred pound halibut a barn door. Mm-hmm. What do you call a three hundred pound halibut? I don't know. Uh, we called it a <laughs> we called it a uh, money. Yeah, we called it <laughs> we call we called it money. Yeah, but we had this special hook on board that we always wanted to use, and it was this big, big, uh, big, huge gaff about three feet long handmade and we always wanted to hook it to a picking boom and hook that gaff and lift the lift the fish out of the water and put i'm it on certain that one had it yeah and and we didn't use it on that one because we just wanted to get it on board you know but um but we always were waiting for that four or five hundred pounder times have changed now that was over a decade ago you know so you know things things with halibut of course are changing and so we're kind of gunning for more of the mid-sized halibut but 
but at the time that was that was a winning fish to me to <laughs> me the best tasting halibut is going to be between 20 and 40 pounds i think you're absolutely right on that because 20 20 and 40 pounds you get a good amount of meat and you know and it's it's not it hasn't been sitting in the water too long, and, and that's that's perfect. That's a perfect size halibut to feed a family multiple times. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's just it's kind of like a tender, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, less than that, it's a chicken. Exactly. Right? We call them chickens. But. Mm-hmm. All right. So then, moving on from there. Okay. So so after after halibut, we we would go out salmon sanding in Prince William Sound, and like I said before, we <laughs> so on this crew was my my youngest brother. Uh, and myself and our best friend who has been our best friend for over, well over a decade at that time. So it's been over 25 years now. And, and so Colin, my younger brother was the most experienced and then myself and, and our best friend, Scotty, and we didn't know anything. He was the most, my brother was the most experienced and we didn't know anything. And so we're, he's trying to explain to us how this all works. Uh, Beaver is trying to, makes sense you know but the way he's describing it is for like an inexperienced fisherman not the average greenhorn who doesn't know anything about fishing and so we we finally got out there and we got to chalmers and uh, prince william sound and that's montague island and we uh we just made a fool out of ourselves for about three weeks you know <laughs> and, and we uh we set the net out and we didn't know what we were doing and and uh and i think by the time you know I think that was a 24-hour fishery, and by the time we got done with that, before we went to Valdez, Beaver had pretty much pulled all his hair out, you know, and and, and uh, what a patient guy to be able to put up with three greenhorns who don't know anything or just running around like chickens with their heads cut off trying to make sense of, you know, what we're doing. Of course, after about a couple of weeks, we, you know, we really started to kind of get in the groove of it, but that whole first year in Prince William Sound, we were what other boats like to call the A-team, you know, or the dream team. Um, we got to Valdez after after fishing Chalmers, and this is what really set us apart from other boats. Was uh, we we got to Valdez feeling like we you know we knew our stuff, and then my brother in the harbor as we're heading into the harbor after our first day fishing in Valdez falls overboard, and my brother I, <laughs> my brother does, and I pull him up back on board. He lost his crock, and so uh, the captain Beaver told the skiff man to go and get his crock out of the water with the skiff. What's his crock? Explain it for us. His crock is what most people use on, on, on a saner or boat. It's just a crock shoe. You know, it's got the, it's the foam rubber and it's got the holes in it. And so you're picturing it, but these guys don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. So I'm picturing this. Yeah. So it's got, it's a shoe. It's, it's a little boat shoe. And uh, and he lost this precious boat shoe, and you can see it floating in the harbor. It's not like a croc, like everybody talks about crocs, right? With little holes in them, and yeah, yeah. Like oh a, my god! Like a croc, like like he could go to the store and buy a new croc. Oh like, my god! <laughs> for for like ten dollars. Okay, and, all right, we're and, on the same page now. Okay, yeah. So shoe, and and so uh, the skiff man hops in the skiff to go and get his shoe that's floating in the water because they float. That's why they're such a good boat shoe. And he cuts loose, and we're we're like heading into the harbor, going to the slip. And the skiff cuts loose, and he's going to get that croc full speed. But he's attached to the seine, so we let pretty much half or three quarters of the seine out in the Valdez Harbor, as everyone's already there, you know, watching us do this. 
and it, we're just holding our heads like oh, to get a shoe. Yeah, and everyone in Valdez Harbors, you know, you know, you do something like that, every boat's going to be talking about it. And they were. Every boat was talking about the dream team, how we set the net in the Valdez Harbor, and we stacked the net, we put it on board, we all felt like idiots. He got the shoe though. That's what's important. He got his shoe. <laughs> We pulled the I, net I, on. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not sure. I'd even brag about wearing one of those. So <laughs> we went to the bar, and ever we were the most famous crew there. So it was pretty, pretty amazing. So I don't want to fast track, you know, fast forward too much ahead. But um, you know, we ended up. We actually ended up, you know, crewing for Beaver for quite a few years, and we became a pretty night, a pretty tight crew, and a, and a and a really, really effective, efficient crew. We one of those crews that could. One person could throw something, and the other person doesn't even really have to look. He just knew it was being thrown, and he could catch it, you know, and it was... So no more lost shoes. Yeah, no more lost shoes, no more uh, nets overboard. A few mistakes here and there, but really, well, uh, when really you, tight. So the name of the boat again? Nuka Point. Nuka Point. And uh, so several years. Mm-hmm. Uh, what species? Uh, halibut. Halibut, salmon, and um, that was pretty much it. He did herring before, but he had he had actually retired from herring. And uh, Where's he at now? Beavers, he's in Homer, and and he still fishes. He's one of those fishermen who's gonna fish until he drops, probably. I mean, hopefully he doesn't mind me saying that, but he's he's one of those guys who loves, loves probably probably a compliment, really. Yeah, really a compliment. He loves what he does, and he loves catching fish, and he's he's also one of those fishermen who's who's revolutionized the game, and he's he's really uh he's really changed the he's really changed it for a lot of people, in, in the sense that. Um, of what he established, you know, in his early career, really, um, really helped a lot of the younger generation, you know, be able to catch fish effectively. Been a, a huge impact on my life, my brother's life, and a number of other fishermen's life. Sure. Where'd you go from there? So uh, we worked for Beaver for about five or six years, and then, uh, and then, <clears throat> my younger brother and I moved on to the Lady K which is a saner out of Prince William Sound. Uh, Mark Edens, who is a phenomenal guy, um, a good, just one of those great captains on the water, great guy off the water, and who was equally as effective at catching fish, but a totally different style. And then uh, and my wife, and about that time I started fishing for Mark Edens on the Lady K, I met my wife, and we... Got married. How'd you meet her? <laughs> How does a fisherman meet a wife? <laughs> <laughs> so, that's a really funny story, actually. So, Let's go there. So my wife, uh, Grace, my wife, Gracie, she, she worked, she did not fish, did not grow up on the water. She grew up in Homer for the most part. Uh, she was born in California as well. And then grew up in Homer and knew about fishing, knew about fishing and knew about how things you know worked as far as Homer and being a fishing community, and I came back from a fishing season with money in my pocket, and and wanting to I actually wasn't even in the mood for a relationship at the time, but I saw her, I met her through mutual friends, and then I I just pursued uh, what you would call like a dating relationship with her and. Uh, Where's the funny part of the story? Because you said there's, that's kind of funny how. <laughs> the funny part of the story was is I was, I think, 20 or 21. She was 17. And her dad is a pastor of a church. And so when I went to go ask her out on a date, she said, well, you might have to talk to my dad. And I <laughs> I looked at her like, oh, I mean, of course. Of course, yes. <laughs> you know, and 
and I, I, uh, did you talk to her dad? I talked to her dad and he said, no, <laughs> he, I told him I was a fisherman at Homer and he's like, yeah, no, we're gonna have to get to know each other a little bit first. And, uh, and so we did, I spent time with her and her family for about a year and, and getting to know them and they, them, me and, uh, and you put time into this. I put time into it. I, when I, when I met her, I was like, and we got to talking we kind of talked about what we wanted to do in life. And I was like, that's it. Let's get married. Why not? What the heck? And, uh, <laughs> she thought the same thing and so after uh, a couple years of dating we we got married and and then uh we bought our first boat so and that was my last year working with mark and we but leading into that what i was saying was grace and i both did a herring circuit on the valkyrie um <coughs> which was with eric fellows and that was that was a good time for us to figure out what life was like on a boat as a married couple <clears throat> and so you're uh, both on there we're both on the Valkyrie and uh, we're both doing the herring circuit, Sitka, Kodiak and Togiak. And, uh, and she hopped on halfway through Sitka, I think, or towards the end of Sitka and then did Kodiak and Togiak. And there was many times where we had to figure things out living on a boat, especially when you're commercial fishing with a group of other guys is, can be hard when you're newly married. And uh, she came out in the boat and there's a few times we had to go back on the back deck and just argue <laughs> and, and, where she got her feelings hurt about something. And, and I was kind of more or less the, at the time, the deck boss, cause I had the most experience, but, um, and so, um, she's a stubborn woman. I'm a stubborn guy, you know, a dominant personalities and, and I'm telling her what to do on deck, but trying to be gentle. And so anyway, she had to confront me a couple of times, let me know that I was approaching it wrong. <laughs> and so, um, so learning, learning experience for the both of us, you could say, but we had a lot of fun working for Eric, great guy. And we had a lot of fun learning the herring fishery and, and being a part of that. And, and Let's so, change it a lot over the years. I mean, it has. Yeah, that was over. That was eight years ago. So it's changed a lot since then. Well, it changed a lot since I was doing it. Yeah, was, yeah right. <laughs> yeah, probably yeah. by the time you were born. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, uh, okay, so <clears throat> 31 now. 31 years old. Started at 19. So you got, you got, you got years at sea. Yes. You got years of experience. Do you remember the first time you were scared? The first time, not the biggest time. First. Hmm. The first time I was scared, I would say we were out herring fishing. We were doing togiak herring. It was a little bumpy, you know, on the way there, it was a little bumpy. It was, you know, not bad. It really wasn't me that I was scared for. It was first time I got scared commercial fishing was was when uh, people run on hydraulics you know hydraulics can be a really powerful scary thing especially when you're in a hurry and you're zoned in on the fish grace was stacking corks at the time and corks the togiak herring are actually harder than doing leads so she was doing corks and she was having a really hard time with it somehow she got wrapped up in the in the in the cork line or wrapped up in the hydraulics or picking her up in the block and that was <clears throat> first time I really got scared out commercial fishing. I know there's other points when it was just me and my brother and our best friend where there was times where I got a little startled. But, um, you know, there's times where you dive on a net and there's, there's, you know, variables, especially when the boat's right near the bottom, ocean bottom. <clears throat> but that was the first time I really wanted to make sure I wasn't. It was scared in a different way, I guess you could 
say. I never. Your, really, your wife's getting pulled up yeah, in the block. I, I never got scared, and the captain saw it right away. But it it was made my heart jump. I I never got scared for my life, my brother's life, or our best friend's life. We could stay on our own two feet pretty good, but that was the first time I got I got scared, and that was a, that was a good lesson for me because it made me realize, um, the captain of the boat, you know, is, um, and really responsible for the safety of everyone, and uh, he sets the pace and and. He's got a lot of responsibility other than just making money for the crew. Did your captain realize that? Oh yeah, he did. He he realized the he realized it really quick. Back the block, back down. Got her off. Got it uncinched. You know, and it was really uh, no tension whatsoever. You know, but I was in the skiff and and I was just watching. I had I was outside of the box looking. Did it go slow mo? Yeah, it was very slow. And I could. Were, I could were you guys married it. then, or we were married then? Yeah. Oh, newly my. newlyweds. So, the wife's going up to the block. And... Mm-hmm. Yeah, newlyweds, and it was, but it was a very, it, you know, the whole season was very fun, and that was a little blip that I could, I could remember that I tried to, you know, make sure that when I become a captain, I, I remember that so that I could. Was was that the scariest, uh, scare, scaredest you ever been, or is there another time? No, there was, there was other times, and G- give me the, give me the worst one. The worst one. Um. So we have. We're married. We have kids. I decided. Please to note, he doesn't think about this. He's got it right away. Yeah, we're married. We have kids. We we um. I decided to go out pot fishing with with again two of my best friends, and and we went pot fishing on the Magnus Martin and great boat. Um, high high, uh, production, um, peacod pot fishing. Uh, three of us and things just clicked. We were just moving quick and we rotate jobs and we could just make things happen um we're out there and seas are getting bigger and and uh and i'm running over to get ready to um uh throw the bait in the pot throw the bait in the pot and i we launch we get ready to launch the pot and i somehow find my way into getting behind the pot launcher like between i'm between the deck rail and the pot launcher um and the pot is on on board and the deck's slippery with bait and everything and so somehow i find i'm looking over the edge of the boat waiting for the pot to go overboard and i i somehow get i'm i'm a small guy but i somehow get slipped behind you know where the where the pot is going to pivot up and between the deck rail and then um my friend who's running the hydraulics at the time goes up with the pot and I'm in between, and I, so I get pinched in between the block, uh, the, between the pot launcher and the deck rail, the side rail of the boat. And it's throwing the pot over. And he's, yeah, and that's a fast motion. He's, oh, yeah. He's throwing the pot over, and and I just feel it clinch tight, and, and uh, I've already lost my air at this point. Yeah. And so I just, I kind of just let out a, just a whoosh of, you know, and, uh, and, and. <laughs> And it just was tight to where I couldn't even move. And he saw it just in the corner of his eye, and he just stopped. And I'm just sitting there like I'm pinched, pretty bad, I'm pinched. And he comes back down with it. I just drop. I drop to the deck, and uh, and they both come over to me. And captain comes out, and 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 there's you know, are you okay? And I'm like, I think so. I think I'm okay. So slimy boots, just kind of slid you that way. I and... just I think we're moving so fast. I got excited. I didn't know where I was at on the deck rail. Just a a really, as someone would say, a really stupid mistake and uh, really silly. Um, but one of those mistakes that 
can happen to anyone. And, uh, um, I got, I got in the, I, I got in the bite, you know, and I was in the, I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And, and luckily, um, the guy running the hydraulics was phenomenal. He has lots of big pot fishing experience. He could have, so could have finished he, you. He could have accidentally hit the hydraulics in the wrong direction too and finished me off. And, uh, I had, you know, I was, uh, black and blue on my ribs and my back and, and, uh, any days off out of that or huh? any days off? Uh, you know what? I actually, uh, I, I didn't take any days off. No, I, but I did end up hurting my back, uh, later that season. And I ended up having to go home, which was a pretty unfortunate, um, thing. And I always look back on that because growing up, like I said, if my dad raised us with work ethic and, and, and we never quit, never quit a, never quit a job ever put it in your dad's words never quit an active job site yeah Just keep going yeah and and it it was hard for me it's still it'll haunt me forever because i got tossed by a pot and it was a previous injury from a car accident with grace and i and and i i really messed up my back i couldn't even walk right and and it was time for me to go and the season was about a week from being done and uh but it was my best friends out on the boat. So there's that, there was that act of not just only leaving a job, but leaving my best friends hanging, you know? And so, so this is actually good for other, other people to think about too, that, that, uh, um, um, it's always important to stick it out, but, um, uh, it's always important to think about, you know, your future and your, you know, fishing is a very important job, very, uh, cause it's a team effort, but, but what's also most important is is uh, your body, because you're gonna have that for the rest of your life and your future. And uh, and so I still got things here and there that that come back to me, and I always I always joke around about it with my friends. But that that to me will wear on me for a long time, because I'd never quit anything um, as far as work goes um, my whole life. And I had to I had to walk off the boat, and that that was a tough one. It's tough when you're. Uh in a in a group like that you're you become a team and you rely on each other it's, it's family mm-hmm. yeah and we really did rely on each other and, and uh and not only that but we pushed each other too to who was going to go the hardest who was going to well you're you know, still young yeah <laughs> who was going to go the hardest who was going to who was going to do the most perfect at each job and and so when we were pushing each other i felt like i was the one you know, and so I think for a lot of fishermen that goes through their head, you know, I'm letting down the crew or I'm, I'm not, I, I couldn't hack it is a big, a big word. And, and, uh, and so it's just important that people realize that <clears throat> there are those deckhands and, and Beaver used to say it all the time. There are those deckhands that just weren't made to the water. There's just, there's people who just weren't cut out for uh, commercial fishing they weren't cut out for life on the water and there's just it's it's got to be in your dna to some degree but there's also those people who it is made it is it is for them um it is in their dna and there's just times where you just gotta there's times where you just gotta um push you through. Sit, it's time where you gotta push through and then there's times if you really are injured where you just need to take a second and you need to evaluate what the cost is what the long-term cost is and and so some people really get injured out pot fishing, and sea. It's, it's no joke. People get injured all the time out gill netting. Um, there's, there's no fishing. That's a joke. Hmm. I mean, 
Any one of them. And there's no... Will kill you. That's true. None of it. It all has to be taken seriously. And there is no fishing, and there is no species of fish, and there is no amount of fish that is more important than health and life nope. of the crew. Nope. And so I think that's something, too, that that is really important for people to contemplate and think about. And, and also people who want to get fishing beforehand, that, that it is a very serious job and it is a dangerous job. And a lot of people want to do the dangerous job, but sometimes, you know... It's funny, uh, the smallest thing can kill you mm-hmm. when you're fishing. Uh, put a net over. Oh. A wedding ring can mm-hmm. kill you. Yeah. A wedding ring can kill you. Absolutely. I, I, the last uh, 10 years I was married, I didn't wear one. Mm-hmm. I caught one on a net. Yeah, mine's once. rubber. Mine's a little, one of those, it, you know, lifelong warranty rubber rings. It's like uh, the smallest thing can kill you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it happens in an instant. I've seen I've seen guys be in the wrong place in a same net, and they get swept over with the same net, and they're attached to the leads, and they're going down. You know, and you have skiffs, you know, 10 skiffs pulling that net up, and hopefully they get them up in time. It's, yeah. it's really, it's an, it happens in an instant, just like it was out pot fishing. And it's usually really stupid mistakes, just being in the wrong place at the wrong time. It can be a beautiful day, sunny, and yeah. things happen. Yeah, out long lining, it, it happens really easy when people are in the wrong place when they're when you're setting on snap gear. It was all snap on gear, and you get a hook through the hand, and and uh, all of a sudden you're almost going over, unless you can cut it in time. So it's really good, um, you know, it's really good when there's new guys on board to be able to surround them with experienced guys and it was i look back at that at you know when when us three greenhorns hopped on beaver nelson's boat the nuke point and he had three greenhorns and he had to look out for all of us you know and and you know the amount of energy that must have taken after running a boat now for in a saner for uh, a handful of years the amount of energy that must have taken to hire three greenhorns was so let's, let's move on to that getting the saner so so Grace and I were married for a couple of years, and uh, I was, we still are married, but we were married for a couple of years, and we got we got this boat, and and my old captain, Beaver Nelson, told me that if you're going to get in the fishing camera, you should buy this boat, and it was the old Island Raider, which was his son's boat that he had built. Rob Nelson had it built in 89 by Cliff Calkins, who's who's uh, passed away now, but a, but a phenomenal genius boat builder, and and so I talked it was owned by a cannery at the time and i it took me a year to talk that cannery into selling it to me bought that that was eni yep eni it was yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> eni foods and i i i talked them into selling it to me they sold it to me and i got it at a fairly decent price for what it was and 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 all i had to do was get it ready to fish and and put some some sweat and hard work and rsw system into it and i i <laughs> <laughs> what he says rsw that's twenty thousand. <laughs> yeah, that's not sweat, hard work, and RSW. Yeah, twenty thousand. <laughs> yeah, I, I I ended up putting about sixty thousand into that boat before I got it up and going. So those of you who are thinking that you're gonna get a boat and you're gonna just be, it's it's uh, what is the classic word that people like to use when there's a boat ready to go? Um, where they say um, turnkey. I think it is. Turn yeah, turnkey. Yep. Turnkey ready to fish. There's no vessel on the water that's turnkey ready to fish. In my experience, part of that though was because <laughs> the captain that ran it knew what to do. Mm-hmm, exactly. And the captain that's everybody, buying it doesn't know everybody what he did. Yeah. You know, uh, mm-hmm. you get on and you buy a boat. You think it's speaking English, but it's German. You got to figure it out. It's not the same thing. 
that's absolutely right not every boat talks uh the same you know some boats speak french you know and and it takes one you know that one very special person who's been running the boat for the last 10 years to be able to they knew exactly yeah. they knew every sound every mm-hmm. tink every yeah. they're like oh no she's ready to go well mm-hmm. exactly mm-hmm. and so i passed i passed you know passed on a lot of boats because they just weren't the right profile for me and so we got the we got the island raider which we ended up uh changing the name to the the firefly why uh that's my inner geek coming out in me so there's a tv show called the firefly one one season yeah only one season one season yeah a huge i'm there with you huge following on that season yes bam yeah i'm there with you that yeah one season and it has a tremendous following and we never talked about it before by the way uh yeah we did not no we didn't no we didn't actually that that came here right now um so I was Captain Mel, Mal, <laughs> and and so this this yeah phenomenal TV show. So Grace and I were like, let's name our incorporation Serenity Inc. Let's name the boat Firefly. So our co- incorporation Serenity. Hold on, gotta pause. Favorite quote Favorite. from the from the TV show or the movie? Just we're going way off base here, guys. All right, I'm gonna give you mine while you're thinking about it. There's gonna be a whole lot of turbulence followed by either a big fucking bang or an explosion. <laughs> we'll be fine. Um, what's that maneuver they did? It was a barn swallow. I love that. <laughs> Where they did like we're gonna do a barn swallow. Yeah, <laughs> gonna do it. And I've always wanted to name a fishing maneuver. You know how every fisherman's they got like a special set or a trick play. I always wanted to name a special set or or a special you know hook. You know that I do. I always wanted to name it a bar, bar swallow. swallow. Yeah, we're gonna bar swallow. Yeah, Omaha, Omaha. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always say, I always say uh, with the crew whenever something really, you know, drags us going on, I always start saying like "Go Ram," you know, this "Go Ram" thing, you know, because it was it, everything's. You got to see the show. You got to see it. So <laughs> yeah, we we got totally way off base there. We don't normally do that. No, where are we good. at? So I say in the boat. Um, first year ever sailing, I sang Lower Cook Inlet. Phenomenal place to, by the way, to learn how to sing, be able to learn how to to lead a crew, be able to learn how to to understand current and climate and weather and rocks and snags and and fish. And so I I love Lower Cook Inlet. I love fishing there. My crew my crew consisted of my wife Grace, my brother-in-law who was about fifteen, who was Grace's younger brother, and then uh, a friend of ours, um, a friend of ours who came out, and they came out and and my wife was seven months pregnant at the time. Oh my god! <laughs> she was seven months pregnant. This is this is how much of a stud my wife Grace is. She came out and she was seven months pregnant during the fishing season and she stacked corks. And, you know, you get these in insane, you get these net monsters, you know, where you just like you pull up your, your purse rings and the whole leads and everything is just in a knot around your purse rings. And there was many times where, you know, we were all muscling on that. It took all of us to, you know, she's over there seven months pregnant helping pull on a net monster. And a lot of times I just have her run hydraulics while we wrestled with it. But 
sometimes it took all of us and and she she stuck it out all season and then and then we had uh had her baby that fall but it was uh it was how many a, kids you got now we have three kids yeah our our oldest is is four strong strong oh, she's, <laughs> she's she's all of our kids are like in the five percentile for height my wife and i are both five foot <laughs> but she she's she's built like an ox just just stacked and so that's our oldest kaylin and our second oldest is, is valor and he's he's just about valor three. valor he's our he's our second oldest and then our 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 youngest is arrow and he's by far I saw him yesterday. Yeah, he's he's a cutie. He's he's young. So we uh we have them and and we take them out on the boat but but uh so she was pregnant um with Kaylin at the time and and my crew and this is actually good for for new fishermen people who are buying boats. Um uh it was a it was a probably a record um year as far as how bad it was in Lower Inlet at the time. I I don't I haven't looked at the stats, you know, in a while, but but it was a really bad year. I mean, I don't think there was any boat. There was a few boats that had over a hundred thousand pounds, but there wasn't many, you know. And and uh, we were right up in there, and and luckily we caught some reds. But we had our more our mortgage payment to E and E Foods, and I called E and E because it it was like October, and I called E and E like, hey, <clears throat> um, can I get our settlement check? And and they responded, and this is this is really good for people to like get ready for. If you're wanting to get into fishing, you got to prepare for these moments. They responded by, "You still owe us twenty grand." And and I asked them, I set my pride down, you know, on the table, and I asked them, I said, "Please, I just beg you to give me enough money to pay my crew." Whereas there's some people out there who probably wouldn't put their crew at the top, but I think it's really important that you know uh, to to do that. People who are the sole reason for you to be able to bring the net back on board and uh and so i i just said i just please give me enough money to pay my crew and they did and not my wife my wife was the crew but just just the two guys who weren't direct family to me and so um i paid my brother-in-law and i paid our friend and that was it so and uh and i paid our crew and then and then we used division of economic development to refinance which is a great program and then we uh and from there, it was only up, right? You can only go up from there. We're about out of time, though. Oh, okay. We're going to have to come back and <laughs> go again. But before we leave, uh, obviously, you're younger yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, have a great tender vessel, which we can't get into too much now because mm-hmm. we're already out of time. What would you suggest for guys coming in now, young guys? Guys coming into the fishery now. <clears throat> okay, so. Um, I would say for deckhands, work hard, get in, don't be afraid to. How do they get in though? If you want to get in, I mean, you know, I know if you, they don't know if you really want to get in, uh, you know, make yourself rememberable, you know, walk the dock, 